Please open your Bibles to Luke 18, 15 through 17. The passage may be found in your pew Bibles on page 877. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, which is the translation that Pastor Wes Holland will be preaching from. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Now they were bringing even infants to him that he might touch them. And when the disciples saw it, they rebuked them. But Jesus called them to him, saying, Let the children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. May God bless to our understanding this reading for his holy word. And again, please join with me in prayer. O oh Lord, as you have uh, given us this portion of your word, I ask that you would help me to faithfully proclaim it. And O oh Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, as a congregation to eagerly uh, welcome uh, the children um, to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. We ask in his name. Amen. All right, so I've told you over the years about my trips to Uganda when I was a college student. Um, I've been three times, uh, the first time in 1990 and again in 1991, and then again a few years back. uh, You sent me uh, back to Uganda, and and I am thankful for that. So, back in 1990, uh, I was young, I was was just about uh, to graduate from from college, rather, and I was very young in my early 20s. I only had one or two gray hairs at the time, and uh, a Ugandan man excitedly approached me after a sermon, and I was doing a lot of preaching because all the other pastors, the seasoned pastors, they were, they were just going down one after another with malaria. I took my hydrochloroquine pills and uh, very faithfully and um, did not get sick with malaria, and so as all these pastors were, were just dropping like flies, uh, I got an awful lot of opportunities to preach. And I'd only preached once or twice in my entire life. And I was scared to death, and the Lord blessed it. So I had been preaching um, three hours one day. And this man came up to me. He was very interested in the fact that I was so young. He was a teacher at a local high school, and he wanted me to come to speak to a group of students Uh, So I got on the back of his motorcycle and sped across town. I was in a suit, something like this, and so I was quite the spectacle on the back of that motorcycle. Uh, When I got to the school, I met a group of about 20 students, and they were all believers, and the teacher had been discipling them, but they were being told by the pastor uh, of the church that was overseeing the school and by the church leaders that they were too young to be Christians. 
They were being discouraged in their faith uh, by the leaders of the church because they thought that there was a lot of sexual temptation that would lie before them uh, after they graduated from high school. And so these church leaders were telling them that they should wait until they were married to profess their faith in Christ. And the teacher thought that my youthfulness would be a, an encouragement to them. And so I got there. It was a really sweet time. I got to read the scriptures with them. I got to answer some of their questions about my own faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Of course, uh, they also got to ask some questions about me as an American. Uh, the Civil War had only ended, uh, I think it was two and a half years prior to me being there. And... Uh, a white guy in Mbale, um, call, uh, the, the uh, Mzungu, was kind of a, a rare thing in those days. And so I got to visit with them. I got to preach a short devotional and prayed with them. Then I got back on the motorcycle and headed back across town. It was shameful that the leaders of the church were discouraging these young men in their faith, telling them to wait to make a profession of faith. In our passage, Jesus teaches just the opposite of what these Ugandan church leaders were teaching these young people. And I think that the real issue with the leaders there in the Ugandan church was that they did not value the youth as they valued the adults. You know, the youth could not contribute to the building program, to the tithes and offerings like the adults could. And so they were pushing the youth over in the proverbial corner, telling them that they will get the church's attention when they start contributing. Uh, but our Lord Jesus Christ, he values children. Therefore, so must the church. Our passage makes that point abundantly clear. Parents were bringing their children to Jesus in order that he might bless them. And it was a very common practice in Jewish society for the parents to bring the children to the rabbis for their blessing. Uh, if, here in our text, it said that Jesus, so that Jesus might touch them. But in Mark's passage, the parallel passage, it says that Jesus might bless them. And so that's what he's doing here. In Jesus' day, it may surprise you to learn that 50% of the children... Only 50% of the children live past the age of 10 in Jesus' day. That half the children would die. Only 4 out of 10 children made it to their 16th birthday. You know, I think of all the different times that my children ended up in the hospital when they were young. Molly, my second daughter, spent a week in the... Um, neonatal intensive care unit uh, when I think she was two years or uh, two months old. Uh, she had an infection and would not have lived were it not for the blessings of modern medicine. I remember my, my son's home from college and he's here this morning and I remember, of course he won't remember this, going down Hitchcock Parkway. Uh, Mandy was at home with the children and I, I was, I was, over 100 miles per hour heading toward the hospital uh, with, with Will because he had become so dehydrated because um, of the infection that he had. And uh, 
you know, it does not surprise me that um, parents would bring their children to Jesus when uh, the children's future was in such doubt before the blessings of modern medicine. And we should continually be taking our children to Jesus for his blessing. Not just trust in medicine, but trust in the Lord. And Jesus, he welcomed these parents with their children. The Greek word for children in this passage is the word brephe. It means infants. There was a technon, which would mean toddlers, but brephe, these were the youngest of children. These were um, children like, uh, like uh, an infant. Um, and there must have been quite a commotion as all the, the parents were lined up uh, with their children for Jesus to bless them with their touch, with his touch. The disciples evidently did not value children like Jesus did because they began to rebuke the parents, trying to keep them away from the busy master. But Jesus' priority was the children. Look at verse 16. But Jesus called to them, called to the disciples, saying, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. In Mark's parallel account, it says that when Jesus saw what his disciples were doing, it says that he was indignant with the disciples. Such was his love for the children. And God has always had great love for the children they are included in his covenant promises. How does it say in James, true religion is this, to look after widows and orphans in their distress? God included children in his covenant uh, with Abraham. You know that from Genesis 17. And time and time again, we see that reaffirmed in the Old Testament. Then Peter, in the first Christian sermon, he reaffirmed uh, this and that uh, God's covenant promises were for the children when he said in his Pentecost sermon, uh, as the people were clamoring to him for salvation, what must we do? And Peter, in part of his remarks to them, said, the promise is for you and your children. The New Testament assumes that the children of, of believers are within the scope of God's covenant blessing. Listen to how the Apostle Paul puts it in Ephesians chapter 6. He does not put them outside the covenant community. He says, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. And he's saying the children in the church are entitled to the promise of God. It's not surprising then that we would read in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14, that the children of believers are not considered unclean, but holy. They are in some kind of a sanctified relationship with the Lord. Now, please do not misunderstand me. Children need the Lord Jesus Christ. 
I was calling the children, as I call them every week, to come to the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No man and no child can come to the Father except through Jesus. So I'm not saying that children are are saved. Um, They need the Lord Jesus Christ. They have God's promises in a way that other children do not have. But the children must embrace these promises by trusting in Jesus Christ. And I'm talking here about the children of believers. Paul says if, if, if uh, the one spouse is a believer, the children are not unclean as they would be if they were not in a believing household. But they, as it is, they are holy. They're in a sanctified position, set apart They have God's promises. The children have to uh, exercise faith. They have to cash in the promises of God. They have to take hold of the promises and by faith use them for for themselves. But they are in a covenant relationship with God. And so Jesus here is welcoming and blessing these children, these, these uh, covenant children, these children of Israel. These parents are bringing them. And as Jesus is welcoming these children, he elevates the ministry and the care that we are required to give to children in the church. The, I will say the, co- the COVID pandemic decimated our ministry to to um, to children here in the church. And we need to build back these programs with urgency. On Sunday mornings, we have a Sunday school program for all ages, but only a couple of children are attending. And we would love to grow that ministry back up. On Wednesday evenings, We've had for years catechism classes for our children, but the attendance has been sporadic. And we understand it's been a tough couple of years. Um, and having bringing children out to a, a meal has, has, has been tough, but um, we would love to restart those catechism classes. We've not had our... our typical vacation Bible school over the past two years. And typically we have, what, 110 students that we get to share Christ with? Frankly, it grieves my heart that we have more children in our congregation than we've ever had, but our ministry to children is suffering. And I hope it has been my prayer, it's been the session's prayer. We've spent a lot of time talking about it the past few months. Jesus welcomes the children, and as a congregation, we need to make every opportunity that we can as well. That being said, even if we are, still, if we are struggling to have children participate in our ministry programs, the ministry of the children to the children is going forward, and it's going forward by the original children's ministers, parents are the children's ministers, the God-ordained children's ministers. Parents are charged by God to be the primary spiritual leaders for their children, to read the Bible with them, to pray with them, to evangelize them. But by having them participate in the programs of the church, they are brought into the life of the covenant community. 
They will have Sunday school teachers that will get to know them and will be praying for them. They will have older folks in the church acting as additional grandparents for them. They'll have a church full of believers setting an example for how Christians uh, are to treat and love one another. As our culture grows, or as our con- culture continues to fragment and become less steady, you want your children to become part of a Christ-centered society that is only found in the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so set those expectations for your children when they are young. Bring them to the ministries of the church. Now that being said, Sunday morning worship is a ministry of the church. We keep our children in the worship service. We do not ship them off to a... um, to a children's church program while the adults are in worship. We believe that families should worship God together. We believe that there is an incalculable good that is done when children sit down beside their parents in a worship service. As the children sit in a worship service week in, week out, month after month, year after year, hearing the scriptures, hearing the prayers of the church, Uh, worshiping alongside their parents, seeing the parents' example. We believe that the Holy Spirit uses his word in the lives of the children. In fact, I rejoice when I can hear children praying the Lord's Prayer or singing the doxology along with the rest of the congregation. Now, we don't mind baby sounds here in the congregation. We went so many years without babies that uh, we rejoice that we have so many. But we also do want parents to use the nursery. We do have a functioning nursery if the children are a distraction in the worship service. That being said, we also want to encourage adults to be encouraging to the young parents as they are parenting in the pew. Grouchy adults can do incalculable damage to young, impressionable children. They can be discouraging to young families that are trying to faithfully uh, parent their children by bringing, having their children under the preaching of the Word. Be an encouragement. Uh, don't be a discouragement. We talked about in the Sunday school this morning the... the um, the, the ministry of commendation, the ministry of, of encouragement. And Je- Jesus welcomed the children to come to him, and we should be as welcoming and as encouraging to them as we can be. Let's look again at the text. Verse 16, Jesus called to them saying, I'm sorry, uh, but Jesus called to them to him saying, Let the little children come to me and do not hinder them, for to such belongs the kingdom of God. Do you see how he says, for to such belong the kingdom of God? I want you to notice how Luke has placed this passage within the flow of his gospel. Remember in Luke 18, there was this persistent widow, verses 1 through 8, this persistent widow who wore the judge out with her coming. She was a nobody. And the judge thought he would overlook her. She was too poor to get any justice because she couldn't pay the judge off. 
but she wore him down by her persistence. She was a nobody, and she got justice. And then after that, we saw last week in verses 9 through 14, there was this pretentious Pharisee. You know, God, I'm thankful that I am not like that tax collector in the back of the church. I'm thankful that I give my tithes every week, on and on, talking about all the the things that he had done and was doing, how wonderful he was. And there was that repentant tax collector in the back. And Jesus said, which one went home justified? The tax collector. So we met this poor widow. We met this repentant tax collector. And now next up, we meet these little infants. Jesus wants us to see that Jesus welcomes these people whom society overlooks. One commentator said that Jesus was building a congregation of no accounts. The Apostle Paul explicitly said the same thing in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. He said, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are not, to bring to, thing, bring to nothing the things that are, so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. Are there any of you out here that feel like you're misfits in society? Is there anyone here who feels like they're on the periphery? I would imagine there, there are many here this morning who feel that way. God chose the foolish. God chose the weak, the low, and the despised to be his very own. He sent his son, Jesus Christ. To die for the weak, the low, the despised, the foolish. He sent his son, Jesus, to die for people like us. And if we're going to follow him faithfully, we're going to become more and more on the outside of society. And that's okay. We belong to God. He loves us. Since it's Christmas, I I guess I'll say this. I heard it in a sermon one time. We are the island of misfits toys. And God loves us, and that's okay. I want to conclude by looking briefly at verse 17. Verse 17. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child shall not enter it. Verse 17 is actually an explanation of what's going on in verse 16. Jesus is telling us that in order for someone to enter into the kingdom of God, we must receive the kingdom like a child. In my preparations this week, I read commentator after commentator after commentator that listed all the, the wonderful and cute qualities in children that we must duplicate in order to become Christians. We must love like children love. We must trust like children trust. We must be humble like children, on and on. I don't think that's what Jesus had in mind here. None of those virtues were associated with children in the first century. Uh, Rather, Jesus is referring to the utter helplessness and dependence of children. Again, Jesus uses the word brefe, infants. 
They are reliant on their parents for everything. Truett in Sylvester's arms right now is reliant on uh, Sylvester and Tiffany for absolutely everything right now. Infants without their parents' help, the infants would die. And that's how we need to come to the Lord Jesus. That's what he's saying. One does not come with their good works or their good-natured niceness or even their good looks. We come humbly asking God to save us, knowing that we are helpless to save ourselves. I remember in my college dorm seeing my hypocrisy for the first time with a real... I guess, a regenerated heart. Um, going to the Sunday school class this morning, the eyes of my heart had been, had been enlightened, and I saw I was such a hypocrite, and I cried out to God, God, I don't deserve to be saved. If you don't save me, I won't be saved. I'm calling on your mercy. All of a sudden, my life began to change. My desires began to change. Um... And I was saved. I came to God as a helpless child. Have you come to him like that? Giving yourselves up. Jesus, here I am with all my sins. Jesus, here I am with all my imperfections. Jesus, I don't deserve your salvation. I'm helpless without you. Please, in your mercy, save me. That's what it means to come to Jesus as a child. I pray that every one of you, children, adults, older folks, and all of you, come to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray together. Oh, Lord, that is my prayer. Lord, I pray that you would draw all people um, within the sound of my voice to the Lord Jesus Christ with that helplessness that uh, truly is where we are without Jesus. Even with Jesus, he tells us that we, without him we can do nothing. And so, Lord, we cast ourselves upon you. Make us fruitful. Make us useful for your kingdom. We ask in his name. Amen.